0: Welcome to the Transformation Church Podcast, where we're leading people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you a fresh perspective on God and His Word so you can see transformation in your own life. Enjoy the message.
1: I'm excited today, Pastor Ryan's gonna be continuing part two of Transform TLH. It's our series that we've kicked off last week. Really excited today. So if you do me a favor, leading into the message today, we have a video clip we'd like to share with you on the screens. Please turn your attention to the screens and check out this video.
2: Would you give me a drink?
3: That's bad, huh? What? You, would you? Ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman.
2: I'm sorry, I should have said please.
3: You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here.
2: Nor are you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah,
3: well. None of them will be seen with me, so I have to come out alone In the heat, you have so kindly reminded me.
2: Why won't they be seen with you?
3: Long story.
2: I'd, I'd still like a drink of water, if, if you can spare it.
3: Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I... unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel?
2: Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't.
3: Yeah? And what do you say?
2: I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water.
3: Would, except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water,
2: hmm? That's not what I
3: said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his?
2: I know Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again.
3: Wouldn't that be nice?
2: The water I give
3: <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet, you're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned.
2: I'm not here to condemn
3: you. I've made mistakes, too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship.
2: They say that because the temple is there. Yeah.
3: Exactly where we're not allowed.
2: I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father.
3: So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him even if I did.
2: Anywhere. God is spirit, and the time is coming and is now here that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that, is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you?
3: Until the Messiah comes, It explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone.
2: You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak
1: of, I am he. Well, hey, good morning and welcome to our series called Transform TLH, where we have been looking at uh, the story of the woman at the well in John chapter four. And so if you got your Bibles, you can begin to kind of make your way to that. Before we um, jump into that, just a quick kind of shout out those of you that are here today for the first time. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Ryan. I have the honor of serving here. As lead pastor and just want to mention um, a couple of things before we jump into um, to, to today's message is um, we're a few weeks out, I guess a little over a month out from uh, Easter Sunday. And so I uh, just want to really encourage all of you to be thinking, be praying about um, who the Lord might want you to invite. Uh, what we've kind of learned through the years is that, um, that people are very responsive to an invite on Easter and Christmas Eve. And so um, we really believe that God wants to use all of us as evangelists to, to hopefully be able to make an impact in somebody's life that will last for eternity. And so um, we're kicking off a, um, a two-week series that's called Deconstructed Faith that's going to be Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. And kind of the big idea behind that is how we, we typically build our faith around ourselves and what we think life should look like. And we're going to take a couple of weeks and we're going to help people see that we need to deconstruct our faith built around our own expectations and uh, build it around what God desires in our life. And then after that, um, we're going to be doing another two-week series after Easter called Out of the Cave. And um, that's going to be a really powerful two weeks as we talk about anxiety, we talk about depression, we talk about the things that we experience in our life that kind of get us into the cave emotionally, and then we're going to talk about how we can get out of the cave. And so I would really encourage you to, uh, to be making plans for that and arrangements and uh, look for opportunities to be able to invite somebody to church uh, this coming uh, Easter. So we kicked off uh, last week, we kicked off this brand new series called Transform TLH, um, where we have been kind of digging into an iconic story that um, really is about a controversial encounter between Jesus and a woman at the well. And we're taking four weeks looking into the story because there's four things that that Jesus wanted this woman to experience in her life, in her encounter with him, that we believe God wants us to experience in our own lives. And so in order for us to be able to fulfill the mission that God has given us, which is to, to bring transformation to our community, our city, around the world, we've got to allow God to transform our own lives. And so we're going to be looking uh, today in this second um, part of this series, uh, we're going to be looking at kind of what began that second experience that, that Jesus was wanting this woman to experience. And uh, I've entitled today's message, The Great Exchange, The Great Exchange. So let's, uh, let's take a moment, just prepare our hearts real quick. Say this out loud with me, Father, as I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart to receive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, quick little recap of last week. So out of John chapter 4, what we see is we see Jesus going out of his way to have an encounter with this woman, this Samaritan woman at the well. Now, the reason why this encounter is so controversial is because Samaritans in those times were considered outcasts. Like like for a Jewish person that was really desiring to to honor God with their life, like they would not be caught dead with a Samaritan. Like you can look look even in scripture and look into research of those days that there was even a phrase that they would use back then. They would call them half-breed dogs. Like there was a lot of disdain that the Jewish people had towards the Samaritans. And the reason why was because they kind of had this form of religion where they took the beliefs and the practices that were culturally acceptable but not biblically accurate, and they kind of shaped their worldview and their belief system based upon those things. And it kind of makes me like we, th- we talk about this story and how it impacts and how it translates to our world. and. I kind of think like that's a lot of what we are seeing, even in these last days, about how we are starting to pull in these culturally acceptable ideas and beliefs that are unbiblical, but creating this form of, of religion or belief structure around it. And we see here in this story what Jesus does, which I think is so fascinating, is that Jesus goes where no other religious people would go. And it makes you kind of think, like, when you look at the story of Jesus and you look at his encounters that he had with people, that Jesus had no problem getting his hands dirty. Right? Like, he had no problem stepping into the mess of the world and of life and bringing hope and bringing life into what people are experiencing in that time. And what we see in this story is we see a divine appointment. We see a a divine appointment between Jesus and this really disreputable woman that was so disreputable that nobody really wanted to be around her and so disreputable that we don't even know her name. Like, think about that for a moment. A story in the Bible that we don't even know what her name is. And here we see Jesus going out of his way on this hot, sunny day To encounter this woman, to bring an experience, a moment into her life that would radically change her life forever. And what you and I are going to see in this message today in the second part of this story is that Jesus wasn't done just after an encounter with this woman. Because what we have to understand in our journey with God is that Jesus doesn't come just to save us that he also comes to transform us. He doesn't come just to punch our ticket to heaven so we can spend eternity with him, which that's an amazing thing, but he also comes to transform our lives. And so what we begin to see as we pick up in verse 16, as we're coming off the heels of Jesus talking about how our soul is in this constant state of thirst in verse 15 and we see in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 we see how the bible says that god has set eternity in our heart that every single one of us in our journey before we knew god and even after we've known god that in our journey of life that there is this hunger that there is this thirst for things and what we, we try to fill it with things. We try to fill it with stuff. We try to fill it with relationships. We try to fill it with, with different kinds of people. And what we see in this story is that Jesus is telling this woman who has spent much of her life trying to fulfill this thirst in her soul through a bunch of other things that Jesus says to her, listen, the only thing that could ever quench the thirst that I've deposited in your soul, the hunger and the thirst is me. And we see this woman in this story, which is so amazing that she doesn't even fully quite understand all of what Jesus is trying to say, but her response is, I want some of that in my life. And so what we see here. In verse, um, starting in verse 16, as we come to the other end of that encounter, talking about thirst, look what Jesus says. Jesus tells her in verse 16, go and get your husband. Now, I wanna stop right there for just a second, and I wanna help you understand something that really is a basis of what week two is all about. And here it is, that God loves us just the way we are, But he loves us too much to allow us to stay that way. Like you have to understand in your journey with God that God loves you just the way you are. Like he loved me in 1997 when I had 666 written across my forehead in a dirty middle school bathroom. And he encountered me and he loved me just the way I was broken, nearly addicted to drugs and alcohol. He entered, he had an encounter with me in the mess and the ugliness of the world that I was in. But here's the reality of the good: the Samaritan woman in all of our lives is that although God will encounter us no matter where we are, that he loves us too much to allow us to stay that way that he's deposited potential, he's deposited purpose, that he hasn't come just to save us, but he's also come to transform us. And so what does Jesus do? He he brings this transformation process into her life and then into our lives, and he does it by doing this. Listen, this is the part that makes life super uncomfortable as a follower of Christ is that Jesus begins to start peeking into the dark hidden rooms of her life that she didn't want anybody else knowing about. And I think for many of us, that when we accept Christ, we have an encounter with him and, and we accept him into our heart and our life. The challenge that we have is here Jesus says go. Like, like it's time for you to step away and to go towards some of the things in your life that are ugly that you're hiding. And that's the challenge that, that many of us have that we struggle with. And I think that's why many of us as followers of Christ, we spend all of our Christian life in the stands watching the game rather than on the field playing the game is because we've got all of these dark hidden rooms in our life that we don't want anybody to know about. These things, the residue of our past, the residue of our sinfulness, the decisions that we make in our life, and and we end up having this amazing encounter with Jesus. We get the goosebumps, like, like all the stuff that comes with it. We love it, right? We get it. But then we go about living our lives with all of these rooms slammed shut that we'd let nobody else into. You see, we want an encounter with Jesus, but we don't want to be examined by Jesus. Isn't that true about our life? Like we want the goosebumps. We want to be able to walk out of church and be like, man, that was an amazing service, right? Like, like the worship was off the charts. Like, like that was the best sermon I've ever heard in my entire life. You know, like all this stuff, like we want to have all these kind of experiences, encounters with God, but then, but then to go out and to live our lives during the week and to be praying a prayer like, God, what is it about me? What's in my life? What's, what are my attitudes like that are not like you? And, and Lord, I pray that you would begin to bring that up to the surface of my life and begin to do it. Like those are prayers that many of us avoid in our lives. And we see in this encounter with with Jesus, with this Samaritan woman, that that he wasn't just satisfied with an encounter with her, that he was interested in in peeking into some of these dark rooms in her life in order to bring about true transformation. I think about all the way back to Genesis with Adam and Eve, and I think about In their life, when they allowed sin into their life, what was the first thing they did? They covered. And I think that's what happens in our life, that we we have encounters with God, but we recognize that there's sin in our life. You know, there's things that we do that, that are inappropriate, or there's desires that that like we've got God, but we don't want to surrender these desires. We want to still kind of live our life. And so what happens is, is we end up covering, we end up giving God like a percentage of our life. Like, God, you can have like this category, like God, I'll give you the the Sunday category. All right? It's like the categories on a plate. Like anybody like their food to like mix or do you like it separate? How many, how many people like their food to stay separate? Like on Thanksgiving when you got all these things and you get the categorized plates, right? Like, like that's a lot of times that's how we live our lives. That we got this, we got God in this category and then we got these other categories, these sections of the plate of our life that we do whatever we want to and and Jesus is trying to help her see and trying to help us see that if we're really going to live the transformed life, if we're really going to be all that God has created us to be, that not, not only do we have an encounter, like a Sunday morning type of experience, but, but we also open the door to the rooms in our lives that have been off limits to everybody, and we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to, be, to begin to examine those attitudes and the reactions and the way that we perceive and look at people. And, and so what I think is hilarious about this is that then you look at, at that next part in verse 17, look at her response. Like she goes, she goes, Jesus, I don't have a husband, right? Now, now I think this is funny because it's like she's trying to pull a fast one over she tried to pull a fast one over on Jesus and Jesus like, I wasn't born yesterday. Like, don't give me that stuff. Like she said, he says, you're right. Like you have a husband or you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. Like woman, you certainly spoke the truth about not having a husband. <laughs> and you kind of look at this interaction and you think like, Like why? Like Jesus is peeking into the rooms like he's he's digging underneath the surface, making things a little uncomfortable. And maybe the reason why he's doing that is because he realizes that you and I, that we're never going to value what God gives us until we identify what doesn't satisfy us. Like in our lives, we're never going to be able to value like His grace and His mercy and, and His forgiveness and, and the fact that He always gives us another chance. Anybody thankful that, that He doesn't give us a second chance, He gives us another chance. Like we're never gonna come to a place where we value that, that love and that acceptance, that we value the fact that, that he saved us for a purpose. Like he's got a, a, a purpose that's hardwired into every single one of us. That he's not called us just to take up space in a, in a seat on a Sunday morning, but he's called us to be ambassadors, called us to be representatives of him in a lost and a dying world. And what Jesus recognizes is that we never truly value all of that, all of what God has blessed us with until we identify the things that are in our life that we keep filling our life with trying to quench that thirst that never satisfies us. And I thought about this story this week and I, I thought about this, you know, I, I've always read this story and I've kind of looked at the Samaritan woman through the lens of, of having a problem being faithful, right? I mean, you hear the story about, you hear what Jesus is saying, like she's had five husbands, the woman or the man that she's with now is, is not her husband. And you think like immediately your mind goes to, well, this woman is unfaithful. Like she deserves everything that she is, is experiencing in her life. But if you really go digging a little bit, like John doesn't really give a lot of detail about the history and what all has transpired for her to experience those things. And then you go digging a little bit into the culture of those days and in digging into the culture of those days, it gave me a little bit more compassion to what this woman might have been experiencing and feeling in this moment. I mean, did you know that back in those days, like women, it was so rare for, and it had to be like an odd, like it had to be um, an extremely rare type circumstance for a woman to be able to divorce a man. Like they weren't allowed to do that. Like, like now a guy, a guy could divorce a woman back then. Like if, if he found out that she had a, a marking on her body that he didn't see before they got married, he could divorce a woman back then. If, if she could not um, produce children, um, check this out. He, a guy could divorce a woman back then if she couldn't cook. Now, there was free marriage counseling for any guy that elbowed their wife just then. (laughs) But I mean, think about that. I mean, all a guy had to do was have a witness and to go into a public space and then begin to say, I divorce her, I divorce her, I divorce her. And and you think about that kind of culture back then and you think of this woman and all that she has experienced with, with having five former husbands and now living with a guy that's not a husband. And, and it makes me think that this woman, that she's been promised five times by five different men that they would and they never did. Like maybe, maybe she was unfaithful, but maybe there was something about her that these men didn't like. And so she would get kicked to the curb. I mean, think about the feelings that maybe she was experiencing in her own life. Think about the embarrassment of being in a community where this is so foreign, like unheard of, right? Unheard of that you would even just be married and divorced like one or two times, and here it's happened five times, and then living with somebody that's not even her husband. Think about the embarrassment, think about the shame, like Andrea talked about it last week, about the fact that the woman comes to the well like at a time where nobody else was with her. Like disgraced, like think about the hopelessness, think about all the dreams. Like I've got I've got two daughters. And I'm already kind of dealing and processing through the whole feelings of like marriage and what that looks like, you know? And, and what I've learned as a dad is that, that, that all women, they have this, this like dream of, from a little girls about what it's like to be married and the experience. And you think about this woman, like she had to have had those kind of dreams raising up as a girl. And then all of a sudden, all of her dreams of what she had built this up to be becomes shattered I mean consider how alone that she must have felt as the entire community looked upon her in disdain and friend I don't I don't know for you like when you come through these doors today i don 't know what kind of baggage you 've been carrying i don 't know what kind of rooms that are in your life that that you 've kind of compartmentalized God in your life and there 's these areas of your life that are just off limits that you don 't want anybody touching or messing with maybe maybe it 's your dreams that have been shattered. Maybe for you you find yourself in in the shadow socially to try to avoid shame, or maybe for you, you feel much like her, like undervalued and unworthy. Hear me, if that's you, know this, that the well, that this place at the well where Jesus encounters this woman, that it's a place where Jesus doesn't just encounter us, but it's a place where he examines us. And it's for the purpose to exchange what doesn't satisfy us for what does. Like what a symbol, at the well, an encounter that's more than just an encounter, but it's an examination so that the things that we have built our life around that we think would satisfy us and never does, that it's an experience that God wants us to have so that he could show us where our our thirst can truly be quenched. Watch as you go into verse 19, like this to me is, is, is funny too because we do this all the time. In verse 19, this is her response to, to him wanting to peek into some of the rooms in her life. And, and she goes, Sir, you must be a prophet, so why don't you tell me why it is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship? Now, if you notice, they've not been talking about worship, right? They've been, Jesus has been talking about her own life, the fact that that he can fulfill things in her life that nothing else can fulfill. And then all of a sudden she steps into, why don't we talk a little bit about worship? Why we Samaritans claim that, that here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped. Like, did you catch the fact that she does what most of us do when things get uncomfortable? When God begins to examine some of the things in our life that are not like him, she changes the subject. (laughs) Did you catch that? Like, she switches gears, she changes the subject. She's like, hey, Jesus. Like Jesus, before you start like digging into the areas of my life, my own issues, like before we do that, like, like before I got to deal with my own, my own stuff, like, like let's talk for a few minutes about, about what worship looks like on Sundays. (laughs) Like, like, like Jesus, like, like let's talk a little bit about water baptism. Like, like, okay, Jesus, I know there's stuff in my life that I need to get kind of worked out. But, but I mean, when it comes to water baptized, baptism, are they water baptized? um, If we just sprinkle them with water or Jesus, like, do we have to do full immersion and come up like, like Jesus, like, like what denomination is, is an important, like, like, like is, do Baptists go to heaven? Do assemblies of God go to heaven? Like what about Methodist and prayer? What about non-denominational Jesus? Like, like, and Jesus is like, woman, cut it out. <laughs> cut it out. Like all that stuff that it doesn't matter. Jesus is like, I'm looking for a people who aren't gonna identify themselves based upon what logo is on a church sign. He's saying, I'm looking for people who will yield their lives, surrender their lives to my transforming power like people who are committed to looking less and less like themselves and people that are committed to looking more and more like me every day. Church, we can't overlook the fact that if all Jesus wanted from this woman was a salvation experience, then he would have left for Galilee after that encounter But he didn't. And the reason why he didn't is because he never intended just an encounter with Jesus to be where our faith journey stops. Like you've heard us say all the time around here that salvation is the starting line. It's not the finish line. Our our journey with God doesn't stop once we raise our hand and accept Christ. It just begins there. Like Jesus didn't come just to save us, he came to transform our lives, to become more and more like him so that we could transform our community. That it's a a journey, a process, an expectation that God has on all of our lives. And friend, if he wasn't done with this woman at the well after the encounter, then he's not done with us. He's not done with us because we came to church today. He's not done with us because we, we finally joined a small group. Like, he's not done with us because, you know, we finally stepped out and started serving or we're a part of community outreach or whatever. Like, like he's not done with us once we take that step, that there is this process of transformation that he's wanting to do in our lives, And I love how Jesus, he he doesn't really fall for this diversion tactic, this woman. In verse 21, he says, he says, believe me, dear woman, that the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. In other words, like don't get so caught up in all of this stuff in the world and all this stuff in the church that we avoid the stuff right here in our heart the things in our life that he's trying to examine, the rooms in our our heart and our lives that have been off limits to everybody, including God. And he says in verse 22, you Samaritans, you know very little about the one that you worship. While we Jews, we know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. Verse 23, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers, and I underline that in my Bible, true, because that means that there can be some false ones, right? True worshipers, how are they gonna worship the Father? They're gonna worship him in spirit and in truth, with their heart and with their head. And he says, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Church, God's goal has never been about us just being aware that Jesus died on a cross and us praying a prayer and then going about being grumpy old Christians, spending the rest of our lives angry at everything that we see. Like we have become for a, a while now, we've become a people that, 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 that are, are more about what we're against than what we're for. Like a people that will stand on a box and and tell people why something's wrong with them, but we won't stand at a box and tell people what God has done in our lives. His goal has always, from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve until now, it's always been about transformation. It's always been about us becoming more and more like Him in the way that we think and the way that we live our lives. And Jesus wasn't talking to her in verse 23 about how she worshiped in a church service. He was talking to her about how she was gonna live her life in light of all that he had done for her. In 2 Corinthians chapter three, the apostle Paul is being questioned about his legitimacy as, as a leader of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and he says this in his defense to the, the house churches there in Corinth. He says this in verse two, he says that, that the only letter that I need is you yourself speaking to the churches. That's the only letter that I need by looking at the good change in your heart. Everyone can see that we have done a good job working among you that they can see that you are a letter from Christ written by us. That it's not a letter written with pen and ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not one carved on stone, but one in human hearts. And I think what we see in this text is that God desires our lives to be letters of life change read by all. There's a powerful story of transformation that he's writing in her life and a powerful story that he's wanting to write in our lives. But he can't write it if we don't give him access to the dark rooms of our life. Friend, Jesus doesn't want us to just settle for an encounter. He wants us to allow Him to examine our lives so that He can exchange what doesn't satisfy for what does. And, friend, I stand before you as a letter of life change because I too have had a shameful past. I too have experienced my share of pain and disappointment and hurt. That I too have tried to quench my thirst with a lot of different things that ended up bringing more pain and sorrow in my life. But on January 15th, 1997, at the age of 20, I took a drink of the living water and I never thirsted for that stuff again. But church, you got to hear me, God was not done with me yet. He was not done with just an encounter that he wanted to perform a transformational process in my life. Because God had a letter of life change that he wanted to write that other people could read. And so I began to invite the Holy Spirit into the rooms that I had locked up that I I had too much shame to show anybody and to, to tell anybody about. Rooms of addiction, rooms of shame, rooms of pornography, rooms of abandonment, rooms of selfishness, rooms of pride, rooms of never thinking I would ever be good enough. see, I drank the living water, but in order for God to write the story that he was trying to write in my life, I had to allow that same water to wash away the residue of my past. And friend, there's some of you that are here today and you've had an amazing encounter with God. You've given your life to him but you've gone on living your life with all of these rooms shut off limits to everybody, including God. And you get frustrated and you wonder, why is this thing not working? And like, there's a part of you that wants to live for God, but then there's the other parts that deals with all the baggage of the past and the hurts and the disappointments and the mistakes. And Jesus is saying to you what he was saying to that woman, Like, don't just have an encounter, but go. Like, go back into those painful moments of the past and open the door and let the light that I have shine through those areas and bring healing and hope again. I'm telling you, There's some of you today that Jesus, like in Revelation 3.20, that Jesus is at the door of those dark rooms, that the doors are shut in your heart, and he's knocking, and he's saying, I stand at the door, and I knock, that if you'll hear my voice and open the door, that his promise to you and me is that I will come in. But notice here, he's not going to just come in, he's going to fellowship. Church, God has, has placed a unique mission for our church to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus. It's not just about hands being raised, it's about lives being different. And friend, the only way that we can see the vision that God has for this house come to pass in our community is if we allow him to transform us first. God is trying to write a letter of life change in your life to be read by all men and all women. And my question to you today is what is it about your past? What is it about currently? What you struggle with that you're so shameful about that you keep pulling the pen out of God's hand? I don't see myself as anything great, anything unique. There's a million people in this world that could do what I do and do it way better. But that was a part of my story that I had to get past, that I would never be good enough. As a staff pastor, I'd sit on the front row and I would see the pastors that I served preach their heart out. And the voice in the back of my head would say, you can never do that, you can never do that, you can never do that. But I had to open the room of my heart, the room of never feeling like I would be good enough And I had to allow the Lord to come into that place so that he could help me see that it's not about me being somebody else. It's about me being who he's created me to be. And it was the victory that I had in that that allowed my life to shift the story, the the chapter to turn, that he would begin to write the story of my life and the impact that I could make in other people's lives. And my question is, or not really question, but the thing is, is you're probably here because there's something about the story that God is writing here at this church that's impacting your life. And just like he's trying to do that in your life, just like there's something that is moving you to be locked into this place, that God is wanting to write a story in your life to make a difference and impact the lives of others. Would you bow your head? Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the encounter. But we thank you, Lord, that you're you don't stop there. But God, your desire in our heart and in our lives is that your living water would not just quench the thirst, but Lord, it would purify the impurities of our past. Lord, right now I know, Lord, I know that there's some here today that, God, they love you. Lord, there's there's areas of their life that they've just made off limits to you for whatever reason and whether, whether they deserve it or not, whether they're justified in it or not. Lord, I pray that in this moment, That Father, your precious Holy Spirit would come and wrap arms around them to let them know that God, as you desire to come in and examine the areas of their life that are not like you, that it's always with a purpose to exchange what hasn't satisfied us with what will. And so Lord, I pray right now in this moment that those that are carrying the weight and the baggage of their past, the shameful things of their past, that, Lord, I pray that in this moment, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin to flood their hearts and their lives. With every head bowed and eye closed, friend, if that's you today, If you'd say, Ryan, like I love God, but I just got, I got some rooms in my heart that I need to open up to God. Just right there where you're sitting, just as a, as a decision, as a declaration to Him, I just want you to slip up your hand for a second and then you can put it back down. I'm not gonna have you come up or anything like that, but right there, wherever you are, like if you're, Ryan, there's are some areas in my life that I've not fully surrendered. And today I feel the Holy Spirit just prompting me that it's time to begin that journey, if that's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that I learned in my life is that there were some things that he delivered me from in a moment. And there were some things that the deliverance took time. And it took surrender. I want to pray for you today. If you raised your hand, Father, Lord, I thank you for the courage of every single person that raised their hand today. I know from a father's heart, Lord, it it has to do your heart good because you know the purposes, you know the plans that you have for them. Lord, you know what you've created them to be. And to Lord, from a father's heart to see their desire to want more, their desire to not allow anything in their lives to to keep you from doing all that you wanna do in them. Lord, I pray that out of that that excitement in your heart, Lord, that right now in this moment, God, that your Holy Spirit would begin to do a new and a fresh work. That, Lord, what has been hard and difficult to navigate and get rid of in the past, Lord, that it would become easy in the future. That, Lord, you would give them a supernatural courage. Lord, a supernatural ability to be able to let go, to be able to forgive, to be able to step out of the shadows of shame. Lord, to be able to receive all that you have for them. God, I pray in this moment lord they would fully understand and father you want exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think that you want to do those kind of things in their lives in jesus name amen
0: such a good word this morning he didn't just come to save us he came to transform us so many good nuggets of wisdom. Listen, we have a podcast. You can watch back on our social media platforms, Facebook and YouTube. Um, I, I will definitely be doing that. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, I am Kim. I get the privilege to help serve on our worship team. Um, online crew, thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Hope to see your face in the place someday soon. Um, a few quick announcements before we dismiss this morning. Uh, I'd love to have our, uh, wor- our excuse me our prayer team come up um, to receive you guys this morning. If you've got... Um, whether it's a ping of conviction from this morning's word, if you have a specific need in your life, this is a great opportunity for you to come and meet with our amazing uh, prayer team. They'd love to partner with you in prayer. Listen, we live in a crazy world and we believe in the power of prayer, amen. So uh, a few quick announcements before we dismiss. Um, if you haven't had the chance to fill out that connection card, we'd love to have you go and do that um, and turn it into guest services. We have a gift for you, and we're going to give a gift on your behalf. So it's a win-win. Um, so I'd love to have you do that. Um, first announcement that we do have is this Saturday is our Walk for Life. Um, here at Transformation Church, we believe in saving babies and supporting mamas. So we'd love to have you come out and join our team, Miss Christy McClure is going to be at the table in the foyer immediately following service. If you've already signed up, if you would, just wear your Transformation Church uh, t-shirt just so we can have a great representation. We have a number of you already signed up but would always, you know, love to have more. I'm the day of walk contact so look for me out there and I look forward to seeing you there. Our second announcement is Discover TC. I've been at this church for over eight years and there are still things I'm learning about all the great things that we do here in our community and globally um, the impact that we have with your generosity. So I can only imagine if you're newer here, there it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose. There's a lot to learn. And Discover TC is a once a month lunch that pastors Ryan and Andrea host. And it tells you everything that we believe, our vision, our values um, in, a, in a candid uh, setting. So would love to have you sign up. You can do so online and uh, that will be on April 3rd. Our final announcement is obviously Easter's coming up. Uh, We do have an ad that is going on our social media platforms. We'd love to have you engage with that. You can like, comment, share. uh, Something pastors Ryan and Andrea always talk about is we want to reach the lost now before we have to rescue them later. And so you have no idea who you know, if you share that content, you have no idea the reach that it could have. So we'd really encourage you to partner with us um, in that. For any and all other news, um, you can scan the QR code on the screen right here or anywhere on our church campus, Um, and we would, uh, you know, you can stay up to date on everything we have going on. So we're going to pray, and then we'll dismiss. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that it wasn't enough for you to just want to save us. You want to transform us. We are a process. In a world of chaos and uncertainty, you are a sure thing. You are certain, you are faithful, and God, we thank you. I pray blessings upon every single person in this room and those who have joined us online. Um, And I just pray that you would bless them as they go into this week, in Jesus' name, amen. We are dismissed, everyone. Go enjoy the weather. It is a gorgeous day in Tallahassee, and we'll see you same time, same place. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to share it with your friends and tag us at transform TLH. Thanks again for listening. And we look forward to seeing your face in the place someday. Have a great week.